<laughs> okay, get those yawns out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Our pack mentality is just so strong. We don't even have to see each other. Yawn. <laughs> we just have to hear it. <laughs> and we're like, yes, I also feel safe. <laughs> Welcome to Bread and Barricades. This is Nima Martin. I use they them pronouns. And today, <laughs> to two books arrived which are both about frederick the great i'm really into yeah. his life now <laughs> i'm so obsessed with this side character in voltaire's history i can't believe that i've gone down the rabbit hole i spent like literally 12 hours the other day trying to get access to this like document because i wanted to read one letter but it's like behind paywall, behind paywall, and it's in French. And I was like, oh and in the end, I couldn't even get access to it. It's so frustrating. Oh. Um, but yeah, so I, I am in a um, Voltaire cesspit right now. <laughs> I guess we will swing back round, but it won't even be the Voltaire special. It'll be the Friedrich. <laughs> yeah. They were like, this is only loosely related to this podcast. Oh my God, yeah. <sighs> well, I can't wait. This is Stevie, she, they pronounce uh, primary researcher. Oh, didn't know what year I was in. <laughs> Today, I learned how to make a latex wedding dress from start to finish. Wow. So, first of our friends to get married. <laughs> I can save you money. <laughs> you just have to squeak down the aisle. I mean, you're going to be the first to get married, so you've... Uh... Yeah, but Alexa said it's bad luck to make your own Oh, I see, dress. I see, I see, So, unfortunately, <laughs> I just can't wear my favourite fabric. <laughs> <laughs> I realise it's been, like, five years since I've been doing latex, which is disgusting. Mm. Um, and I've still somehow only worn it twice. Well, not mm. somehow. I'm so swayed. It... <laughs> Maybe if I, maybe people who are really into it are less sweaty, but I was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Alexia, you're welcome. I wore, I wore this for your event, and now it's not happening again. <laughs> I, uh, I have to admit, the first thing that happened to me when you said that was imagining Vic Dugo in a latex wedding dress. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can't actually picture Victor Hugo's face. Oh, so really? I wish I could be with you. I'm sure there's a I'm photo of him, him in the back of the um, book. Is there? He's a I don't think so. He's kind of think... like oblong-faced um, <laughs> old man. He kind of looks exactly like how you imagine him. Um, I, can... I think I'm just imagining like Freud. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can send you something really disgusting right now. I have it okay. like immediately at hand. Do it. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so for everyone's reference, I did just send a photo of, well, the photo of Vic Dugo, the like old man one, uh, and he's wearing a maid outfit and cat is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I was, yeah, you were right. I was picturing something very similar. Yeah, yeah. Talking um, of uh, Vic Dugo in a maid cafe dress? Um... <laughs> No, because what we left off where I wasn't sure if I was going to have time, which we didn't have time, to talk more about another of our favourite boys. Uh -huh. And by boys, I mean old men. Ooh. So, not you, Victor Hugo. <laughs> or Voltaire. Oh, my, I was reading a fanfic earlier, <laughs> and Voltaire came up in it, oh and I... 
I was like, I meant to screenshot it to you, but I was just too busy being like, oh my god. <laughs> um. So yeah, Voltaire is haunting our lives now. Um. But it's not Voltaire. <laughs> it's our other best boy, Monsieur Mabouf. Yeah. So of Mabouf, he said to Marius, "Of course, I approve of political opinions, and that this was true." But all the political opinions were alike to him. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, if I approve of all of them, they'll leave me alone. Yeah, that's fairly mood right now. Yeah. In the same way that the Greeks called the Furies and the Eumenides, the beautiful ones, the kindly ones, the gracious ones. Like, please don't come and kill me if I flatter you. Which I do love as a thing. That's very, um, anytime you post on Twitter and you're like, oh god, I'm gonna be crucified. Is this what gets yeah. me cancelled? And the answer's always yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like that starts with him being like, yeah, I approve of everything, to like, oh my god, yeah, I approve of all of you political opinions, just leave me alone. <laughs> his political opinion was his passionate love of plants, and especially of books. Wow. And... I just, like, love this old man. <laughs> and it was, like, this, we get so much, and you're going to hear me talk about it, because I, I just, like, loved this chapter. Um, I had a moment where I was like, yeah, did we ship uh, Marius's dad with the wrong buff? But I came back around to it, and I think we did make the right choice. Okay. And I will explain my workings as we go. Okay. But, um, yeah, he's just, like... I just love books. I'm a book specialist. <laughs> um, and that's what his ist is. Like, if other people are royalists or um, a Bonapartist or whatever, mm. he's a book specialist. Mm. Um, he's just like, oh, I just don't understand how people can hate each other over, like, the Republic and the monarchy and stuff. Mm. When in this world, there are all sorts of mosses and grasses and oh shrubs. God, and not deal with what's going on around you. Yeah. But then also you're like, don't we all wish we could just look at a mask? <laughs> this is definitely no. um, my buff in our adaptation is a TikTok grandpa who oh my God. is like an elderly non-binary that everyone like helps discover that my buff's gender, like my buff goes on a gender journey, um, but is also just really kind and... <laughs> I 100% believe it. There's just like a lot here that um, backs up your statement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's like, he's anxious not to be idle. So he's always doing things. He's always, he's always reading. He's always doing gardening. When he met Pomacy, there had been that fellow feeling between the colonel and him. That what the colonel did with flowers, he did with fruit. Wow. So he's just, like, coming up with his own species of pear. Mm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He tended mass more out of good-heartedness than piety, and also because loving men's faces but hating their noise. (laughs) It was only in church that he found them gathered in silence. (laughs) So that's where I doubted us and was like, "Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh-ho-ho, we did the wrong shit. Mm. But also, he had never succeeded in loving any woman as much as a tulip, or any man as much as a 
special book. Ace, A, Ro, no, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it was like, oh, I see. So it is that his brother is gay mm-hmm. and in love with Pomacy, mm-hmm. uh, the senior Pomacy, and that he's the accepting. Um, Ace Arrow brother-in-law who is just like oh I just like love that it's like having another brother it's so nice to have a brother-in-law with things in common mm. but I do not have any feelings for you Pomacy beyond that I had a really interesting thought for an adaptation which I'm not saying is canon but just something that would be an interesting adaptation which is that Colonel Pomacy is actually a trans man and was the daughter of Dunomand. And then Marius is actually the child of the other Mabuf and Pomessi. And that's why, like, he left. Rather than it being like, I hate the husband, it's I hate mm. the son. And so he left and then lived out the rest of his life with his actual husband, partner. Um, but they had to do it in secret. So, yeah, that's my uh, submission to the court. I, uh, fuck, I can't remember legal terms. <laughs> Motion is passed. <laughs> that, like, fits in with Yonaman's, like, bullshit. Of, and, like, would, yeah, if he was like, yes, my daughter is dead and I hate this man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And why um, Marius wasn't able, wasn't allowed to see him his entire life because mm. he would have, like, found out or known and then rebelled against um, Dungamond. This is so accepted. <laughs> When's, where's our passion? Where's our money? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and our, like, little would be a druid in the D&D they're playing in the modern AU. Mm. Um, Aero Ace. Other Maboof. Yeah. I just love him. When he gets asked, um, so he's like past 60 and it's like, were you never married? And he's like, I forgot that that was the thing you were meant to do. <laughs> yes, I love. I love you. <laughs> That's going to be you, Nima. Yes, please. When people... It's like, oops. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh my god! I totally put that on my schedule, and I completely <laughs> forgot. Yeah, he's just like just loves his books and his gardening, and there's just many paragraphs to reiterate that in different ways. <laughs> and I loved every single one of them. So in this one, it's like, oh, if I were rich, oh, the things I could do. And then like Yunamand, he was like, oh, if only was I was rich, I could still have young women. <laughs> He's like, oh, the rare books I could have. So he's got another elderly housekeeper, another for the list. Hell yeah. And I I argue that she is also Aero Ace. Mm. And they're just like living in nice little solidarity together. Um, Maybe she's a trans woman and they're having a little like, yeah, they've just got a little safe house between them. Yeah, she's got a cat and the... Yeah, her, none of her dreams had ever gone so far as to include a man. Which I know that Hugo's like, he says, the poor old dear was a virgin, but she's out here like, no thanks. I've got my cat. I've got my books. books. I do not want men to enter my dream. Yeah. Amazing. So, I love the little Aeroways house yeah. that they're living in. But yeah, so he at one point had made a little book called The Flora of the Environs. 
of Cateret, which in the old times he was selling like a decent amount of them. Mm. So he could earn as much as 2,000 francs a year from selling them. And that even though he was poor, he had a talent for building up a valuable collection of all kinds of rare book editions. <laughs> to him, the sight of a sword or a gun was chilling. He had reasonably good digestion. Oh, wow. Okay, unrelatable. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Mama. How can you be the ideal human being? <laughs> He's got everything we can't have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I just do love... It, like, it literally goes the sentence from the sight of a sword or a gun was chilling. He has a really reasonably good digestion. <laughs> um, completely white hair? Who are other white-haired boys? Because some have grey hair. Jean Valjean. He has white hair. Yeah. It's actually interesting. It's definitely setting up. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, oh, um, Jean Lamont has bad digestion. And I was like, no, that's me putting Voltaire's bad digestion on <laughs> yeah. <Jean> <laughs> No, this is the good digestion ace that none of us have ever heard of. Yeah. Yeah, he's got his white hair, no teeth trembles in his whole body a childlike laugh fearful nature and the look of an old sheep (laughs) (laughs) so imagining very like woolly hair and fringe over the eyes Mm -mm. um then we get about his housekeeper so she's been nicknamed mare plutarch yeah so mabuff had liked marius because being young and gentle gladdened his old age without alarming his timidity. <laughs> so I guess this is what, like, it was the same. I feel like we got something with Guillermoand where it's just Hugo being like, old men just love young people to be around and, like, revere them, question mark. Mm. But because Marius is so, like, in his own head and in a bit of a dreamlike state all the time, he's not too much mm. for our very gentle Mabuf. And, you know, like, he, Marius was getting very into learning about his dad's, like, military career and stuff. Mm. But when he speaks to Mabuff about him, it's from the viewpoint of flowers. (laughs) 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 Yeah, he's definitely got a grandparent, like, this is the kind of grandparent he never had kind of thing, right? And learning about his his daddy. In a, like, not fighty way. Yeah. It's like... Oh, these plants we grew. Mm. Oh. And then we learn another fucking blow that Mabuff's brother, the parish priest, died in about 1830. Wow. He was like, oh, I couldn't live without his husband. He couldn't. <laughs> what more can you take from me, Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. I guess this is just like preparing me for later. Yeah, um, yeah. Keep on keep on assigning these side characters um oh. good good features that you love and adore. What more old men can you throw at me <laughs> than rip away? <laughs> yeah, so since his brother passed, I, I it's kind of confusing here, but I think that there was some money tied up in the fact that his brother was a parish priest. Mm. And then also the July Revolution brought about a slump in the book trade. So he's basically out of a ton of money mm. suddenly. So 
he has to sell some of his prints because he's like, not my books. Mm. Um, the ones that he's not as attached to. And they, him and Mare Plutarch, Plutarch, they first they move to a small house that I think is still in Paris. Mm. And let's go right now. <laughs> well, it was like the ground floor with a garden, and it was 300 francs mm. for the rent. And he's like, okay, this isn't working. So instead, we're going to move to the village of Austerlitz. And for 150 francs a year, he had three rooms and his own garden with a hedge around it and a well. Yeah, sounds like us. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. (sighs) Oh my God. Yeah, but like... For context, we both live in London and looking at house prices of outside of London where it's like, oh, for the amount of money that we spend on a London flat or one bedroom house, we could buy a whole house <laughs> with three rooms, a reception, a kitchen, dining and a whole fucking like acre garden. Cool. And a conservatory. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we've just got to make like Mabuff take our favorite books and our um, indigo pictures. <laughs> I think you, and our housewife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we've got to take our Mayor Plutarch with us too. Mm. Yeah, he's so happy out there though. Because um, he only gets two visitors, a rare bookseller and Marius. <laughs> and neither come too often. So that's like ideal for him. Perfect. Autistic as well. He's the full <laughs> sweep. <laughs> he's got it all. Finally, a role model, Nemo. <laughs> Maybe that's genuine. Oh my god! You know, like the entire time, anytime anyone's like, "Oh, who's your favorite character in Les Mis?" Like after Valjean, I've always been like, "My boy, Mabouf." Everyone's like, "I don't know who that is," and I'm like, "Okay, yeah, yeah." yeah. And now I'm like piecing it all together. And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, it's because he's what I want to be." <laughs> oh, it finally makes sense. Also, how could anyone forget Mabouf? Exactly. Well, mostly because he's not actually... Well, if you look hard enough, he is in the Lemus film, but um, you really have to squint. I can't wait to rewatch it and me to be <laughs> squinting at every background <laughs> character. Like, is that so-and-so? And is that his husband? <laughs> it's going to be such a more rich experience now that I'm starting to understand. Yeah, more. yeah, and crave <laughs> those side characters. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, he's... What was he saying here? He's just like really concentrated on his little favorite hobbies, which Hugo says resulting from this kind of concentration is a passivity, which, if there were any reasoning behind it, would seem philo- philosophical. Such minds go into a decline, they sink, they languish. So he's saying that, like, as the darkness gathered, all his hopes died one by one, <laughs> but Mr. LeBeuf remained serene. But I'm like, I guess he's had to move out of Paris. Yeah. But he didn't have to sell his books, he still has his plans. Mm. He's not seemed particularly like he's losing everything. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm just trying to see it as okay. I, it's like me trying to be like, me wanting him to be okay and living a good life versus Hugo not believing someone could have a good life mm, outside of without Paris. the things Hugo wants. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's interesting. 
Yeah, because it is kind of like, we're like, oh yeah, great, he gets to move outside of the city and he gets to like retire in peace and like nobody comes to talk to him and like it's quiet and he just gets to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. And Hugo is like, but there was no money or women out there, so (laughs) there must have been hell. (laughs) Languishing, you're like, he's doing all the same (laughs) things that you've been reiterating for three pages. (laughs) Um, and then we get this little moment where it's like he's got his innocent pleasures and he can find them in like the smallest instance. One day, Mayor Plutarch was reading a novel in the corner of the room and she's reading aloud because she felt she could understand it better that way. To read aloud is to lend authority to your reading. So are you feeling like I'm very authoritative yeah. as I do this? <laughs> yes, daddy. <laughs> and she's reading... A passage from something, and she says, uh, "La belle Buddha et le dragon." A, a mild French accent was uh, attempted uh-huh. there, um, and he mishears that instead of I don't. I, it's going to sound like I'm just saying the same thing because I don't. <laughs> I don't know how, how these words would be said in a French accent. Basically, instead of the beauty pouted. And the dragon, hmm. he misheard it as Buddha and the dragon. And he's like, ah, ha, ha, it's so true. There was a dragon that from the depths of its cave spouted flame from its mouth and burned the heavens. Many stars had already been incinerated by this monster, which also had the claws of a tiger. Buddha went into its den and managed to convert the dragon. That's a good book you're reading. <laughs> There's no legend more beautiful. That's, um, I feel like Mabuf had a vision of uh, the legend of Shang-Chi. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and he's like, that's some good stuff. <laughs> and he fell into a delightful, uh, just like, a little happy moment from that. <laughs> like, Hugo, where's, yeah, I don't see a downside. <laughs> yeah, this is just a, just a, just a sweet old guy making some films in his head. <laughs> Hearing what he wants, having a good time. Um, so that, for me, is a very delightful chapter. Mm-hmm. I'll even give you which chapter it is. That's how delightful it was. I want to say that that's a four. Ivy? Yeah. I'm learning. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's only taken almost 27 years. Um, I yeah. do enjoy how you're like, we're going to do Waterloo in 3.5 seconds. But... We are going to do <laughs> my book's life story in 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we still have two other chapters, but I'm not going to be spending as much time as I would on my book, which is also the, cha- the chapter for title, Monsieur Mabouf. Okay. Uh, I guess, yeah, you do get the bias of whoever is the reader. <laughs> and that was my bias. <laughs> Next chapter, Poverty, Misery's Good Neighbour. So... Marius was fond of this guileless old man who was becoming slowly impoverished, but did not grieve that impoverishment. Mm. Marius would meet up with Kufarak and visit Mubuf quite rarely, however, twice a month at most. What he spends most of his time doing is just taking himself on long walks by himself. Hmm. And it was just like, yeah, look at that market garden. Oh, some chickens. There's a horse. <laughs> And passerbys will be like, what the fuck is going on? Because he's the way he's dressed, 
made them feel suspicious and they thought he looks a bit sinister. Yeah, just a bit. Mm, Horse. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the things he thinks about. Mm. Chickens. Um, (laughs) That lettuce bed. But he's just a poor young man aimlessly daydreaming. Mm. And so he will also meet up with some of the old generals and comrades of his late father. Would like invite him over, and he's like, Yeah, okay. Um, but he will only go over to hang out if it's a cold day because he can't afford a cab and he doesn't want to turn up with his boots dirty. Mm. So I don't fully follow how that works because I guess it's... if it's cold, then the mud will be frozen. Okay, that makes sense. Because he sometimes said, but without bitterness, men are such that, in a drawing room, you can have mud sticking to you all over except on your shoes. If we welcome that, only one thing is expected to be beyond reproach. Your conscience? No, your boots. Hmm. They're like, does Marius talk like that or do you, Victor? (laughs) (laughs) Well, both. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair. I can believe it then. Um... (laughs) All passions except those of the heart subside in idle musings. So any anger he used to have when he initially left, his grandfather has kind of gone away a bit. He's just sort of the same, but not angry. Mm. He still had the same opinions, only they had mellowed. Um, Strictly speaking, he no longer had any opinions. He had sympathies. (sighs) (laughs) yeah that was like oh Nemo's gonna love this Um, to which party did he belong humanity among humanity he favoured France of course of course (laughs) among the nation he favoured the people among the people he favoured women that was mostly where his pity went uh huh yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) like thanks now he preferred an idea to a deed, a poet to a hero, and he admired a book like Job more than an event like Marengo. Mm-hmm. So he just likes to think on things and be, I guess be like, oh, if only things were better. Anyway, <laughs> those chickens. <laughs> Couldn't be me, though. Couldn't be me. I pity you. <laughs> <laughs> it really sucks what them women have to go through. Well, it's not like that's my responsibility to fix or deal with. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, I should be keeping a tally of whenever I come across something that I'm like, I see, it is also Marius that Nemo dislikes. It's not just Hugo <laughs> in the meat puppet of Marius. You have a like, pros and cons chart with him where it's like relatable and uh, um, and then like, oh... This boy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) this boy. He thought he'd come to understand what the truth of life in human philosophy was, and maybe he had. (laughs) In the end, he no longer looked at anything else but the sky, the only thing that truth can see from the bottom of her well. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Which, at least like that, let me think of the painting of truth emerging from her well to mm. shame humanity that I was like, well, that gave me that little visual. So. <laughs> At least I got to see tits in my... Uh... <laughs> Angry tits emerging from the well. Yeah. 
But you know, but Nemo, uh-huh. if only you could look into Marius's soul and into his mind, uh-huh. you'd be dazzled by the purity of it. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess that you've been wrong this whole time. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. If only I could look into his, his dazzling soul. Do you think... Do you think that Victor Hugo really hated that Voltaire had those, like, charming eyes? <laughs> because it <laughs> felt like you were going to say, if only you looked into Marius's, like, um, I can't remember what the words they used for Voltaire's eyes were, but, like, his, like, something. capturing or something like yeah. that. Yeah, they were definitely, at, at the very least, piercing. Yeah, definitely piercing. Piercing, captivating, mm. soulful. Yeah. Isn't that kind of what Hugo's saying? Because aren't eyes the window to the soul? Exactly. Exactly. So I don't know what the link is there, but I, I do think that <laughs> um, he specifically didn't say eyes because he would have that would have made him seem more like Voltaire. Yeah, because he does say eye, but our eye, if only our eyes might have looked inside Marius. Mm, mm, interesting. Our... our wasted Voltaire captivating eyes if only we use them for good <laughs> to look inside of Marius <laughs> and see that purity of soul and like if only we could he gets like into this I, I do kind of enjoy you know when Hugo's just like having strange thoughts and we're <laughs> they're all here on the page so we're very privy to them mm. he's thinking about dreams mm. and Aren't dreams just, like, our truest selves and our most, like, pure thoughts? Hmm. Says Hugo. I had a dream last night about putting highlights in my hair, so maybe. So I guess, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Our fanciful dreams are what most resemble us, says Hugo. (laughs) I don't know whether I've ever told you this dream, but I, 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 I actually don't I've never dreamt very many times so I can remember most of the dreams that I've had and one of them was that I was at a Tesco's and I was like doing I was like you know putting all of my stuff on the conveyor belt and it was all going through and I couldn't like there was a person who was still like uh, packing up their groceries at the end and I was like you know trying to awkwardly like do my stuff at the same time as they were doing their stuff and it was just it was Russell Crowe but also Javert (laughs) Like, it was Russell Crowe and Javert at the same time. Like, he was Javert, but he was also Russell Crowe. And then he started speaking in Tamil. And I was like, hmm, interesting. I know this is a dream. (laughs) And then I walked away from my groceries and was like, I'll just buy pick and mix instead. So... So as Victor Hugo says, aren't the dreams just our truest selves? You'd rather not bother Javert slash crows like having a time and you're like, I don't need these groceries. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> Yeah, what do you really say to that? Everybody dreams of the unknown and the impossible according to his nature. And for you, Nemo's nature, it is impossible to deal with your groceries when your best boy is is there struggling? I, I genuinely think it's. Uh, I, I don't think that I would be able to like uh, greet Russell Crowe or Javert. Like I would have to avoid their eyes and like leave. <laughs> so Hugo was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving swiftly on, like the dream paragraph. 
<laughs> the dream paragraph came and went so swiftly. It's just kind of in the middle here. Um, sometime in the middle of the year 1831, another old serving woman who Marius employed uh-huh. added to the list was like, anyway, that wretched Jondrette family, they're going to be thrown out on the street. And he's like, oh no, why? Like, Because they didn't pay their rent and they owe two quarters. How much is that? 20 francs, said the old woman. <laughs> I'm reading this like I'm reading to a reception class. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go over it. We'll have to go through it. <laughs> and Marius had 30 francs saved up in a drawer. And 30 is more than 20. <laughs> Can we do 30 minus 20? Well, then just to confuse this basic maths, he's like, take 25 francs so that they have five for themselves Mm. so he is in like I guess the same way that when Pufarek needed to borrow money from everyone and he was making like no money was like take these 70 francs it's Mm. fine and like yeah I guess once again I tentatively use poetic irony Mm. (laughs) that he is here he is paying the debt Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, should I not know that? Do we know at this point in the book that Jondrette is the same as Tenardier? I'm not... <sighs> have I just read... Have I spoiled myself by reading a fic? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no. I can't remember. They've. I think they've only been Tenardiers since. I feel like the Jean... Jondrette has come up, but I was meant to be pure and unsullied. And now you're coming in here being like, Owen, he's paying his debt. Like, who are you? You're ruining it. I need to get a new co-host. You're too dirty now. I was literally brought on as the person who knew nothing about Les Mis, (laughs) and now I know too much meta-knowledge. I I think they're just Tenardiers until this... I I mean, I think they're just not Jondrettes until this point. (laughs) We have had mentioned that where was it the same building that Vic, Victor Hugo, um, Jean Valjean used to live that the Jondrette family had moved in because it was like they're wretched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no! <sighs> Sorry for the spoilers. Cut those out, Neiman. <laughs> there was no poetic irony here. Yeah, he's just giving money to the Jondrette family because he he does like now he knows what it's like to be poor and for things to suck um so i guess he's not just thinking thoughts and being like well i prefer an idea to a deed like he is doing a deed here Mm, yeah where's the consistency victor hugo Hmm. and we get on to our next chapter the substitute Mm. it just so happened that theodore Uh uh best boy who isn't an old man. <laughs> um, if we don't remember, that's Marius's cousin. Yeah. No, he, he's not. He, is he like great cousin? Mm. He's slightly more removed than a cousin because his that the aunt didn't have kids. Right. Yeah. They're related. Second um, cousin. I don't know how he, they work. <laughs> it was something like that, yeah. and that Theodore was definitely some kind of trans because he was like, "Call me." Was it Alfred he wanted yes, to be called? Yes, yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, um, but he's referred to as Theodore in this chapter. Mm. Um, 
So his garrison happens to be in Paris at the moment. Happens. So the aunt is like, oh, what if I get him to spy on Marius? Better yet, what if I get him to replace Marius? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's like, just in case the grandfather should have the vague need of a young face around the house. Mm. So I guess this is a need that old men have. Yeah. A well-known need. I guess it's a need that Victor Hugo really had. Yeah. But he's like, of course, this well-known and very shared <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> so she she's like, okay, grand, not grandfather, father. Um, Theodore is going to come call on you this morning to pay his respects. And he's like, who is that? <laughs> well, because he only knows him by his name, Alfred. Yeah. And you say that he's your favorite, but you don't even know how to refer to him. Mm. So he's like, not that. He just goes back to reading and doesn't give any thought to this great nephew. And um, basically reading anything makes Guillaume Armand angry these days. Because <laughs> <laughs> even though this paper is a royalist paper, it references... So there's a cannon parked outside of the Louvre. Mm. And the students of law and medicine were going to go there and debate... About it, should the about the artillery of the National Guard, the Minister of War, and the Sitton's military over that cannon being parked there. Mm. And he's like, students and their opinions? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have a debate? <laughs> I know a student with an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's going to be what this is all about to be. Right. But before he fully gets into it, he's at the door. It's Theodore. And he's not coming in his uniform. He's coming very discreetly. But he's like, <laughs> the old fossil hasn't put everything into a life of annuity. So it's well worth dressing up as a salon fop from time to time. <laughs> 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 he's just like trying to like discreetly slip in here. Mm. Um, and the aunt is like, Theodore's here, your great nephew. And then quietly to Theodore is like, agree with everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she leaves. So... He's just like, good day, uncle, and then sits down quietly and is immediately forgotten by Guillermoand. He's still thinking about this paper. Um, and then goes on quite the epic rant. <laughs> He's like, that bunch of juveniles, young pups who were still suckling only yesterday, squeezed their noses and milk would come out. Oh my god. <laughs> Visceral imagery. Um, like debating tomorrow at noon what's the world coming to just some general like it's clear we're heading towards the abyss and citizens blah um republicans and convicts are nose and handkerchief to each other and mm. um, he like he rants quite a lot mm -hmm. and just every now and again theodore's like you're right <laughs> um and then as you had um foreshadowed he's like Oh, these students, when you think that Mischief Maker has the goal to become a Carbonaro, why did you leave my house? <laughs> and then it's like, I hate students, I knew a student <laughs> to go and become a Republican. Bah! Bah! Humbug! Uh, literally, the 19th century is poison. Take any young pipsqueak, he grows a goatee beard thinks he's a real somebody and turns his back on his elderly relatives. So we have to assume that Marius has a goatee. 
Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. He's even more rat-like than I thought. <laughs> Does that ever come up in any of the fan arts, the fix, what do you or think, the adaptations? Stevie? What do you think? What do you well, then think? they're all heresy. They're all wrong. They're all terrible and wrong. Someone describe his awkward little goatee beard. He can have it shaved off. I don't mind. <laughs> but I am going to require that it is mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And it's the only facial hair that he can grow. Yeah, and it's like some wisp. Maybe it's like the when all those boys, the... ABC club mm. like shamed him. They were actually just like, "Oh, I can't be seen with you." And it's not until Cosette's like, "It would just be so nice to be able to see your whole face. It would just really open up your face. I just love to see more of it." That he's like, "Yeah, of course I'll shave it." <laughs> I do. I do laugh as somebody who cannot grow any facial hair apart from the ratty Asian genes. <laughs> In the colour ginger. Why is it the worst <laughs> things on both sides? Ugh, hateful. You, you kind of get the um the sideburns are creeping down. Yeah, even worse. Great. <laughs> it just you can have mutton chops. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to meet, Nemo. The middle bit's just they're trying to meet. Coming. <laughs> I won't let you be Marius, don't worry. <laughs> I'd warn you. <laughs> but yeah, I just don't know how else we're meant to take it. He has a goatee. Yeah. I'm sorry, Lamo's <laughs> fandom. It's a fact. Yeah. So I couldn't really tell from the description of like what the paper is about that's making him so angry. Like I just assumed that the students would not want the cannon there, mm. but that wasn't really based on anything. But then he's like, now we have cannons in the courtyard of the Louvre, such as the lawlessness of this age. So I was like, oh, do they want a cannon mm. in front of the Louvre? Um, I don't really understand what anyone stands for. No, me neither. I guess, <laughs> I guess some more secondary research is in order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can only do research about Voltaire or his associates. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, that was actually atting myself. Oh. But... <laughs> I only want Voltaire and his associates from you. <laughs> you get another, you're right, uncle, says Theodore. Guillermoand resumed. They do everything they can to be ugly. They're badly dressed. They're scared of women. Their pathetic behavior in female company has the young hussies in gales of laughter. The wretches behave as if they're ashamed of love. They're unsightly. Shapeless coats, stable lads, jackets, coarse linen shirts, thick woolen trousers. <laughs> Incompetent rabble have political opinions? If you please, it should be strictly forbidden to have political opinions. <laughs> Marius, ah, you devil. Go and shout in the public square. Discuss, debate, take measures. Measures they call them for heaven's sake. <laughs> and then, I guess this is some solid character work from Victor Hugo that he's like this is an old man savages go about stark naked with their heads dressed up like shuttlecocks and carrying clubs and they're less brutish than these young men mm. Got a... good job Victor yeah. can't be talking bad about French people all the time <laughs> yeah but you're like obviously we know the character's racist um mm. And it's Hugo saying that he says it, and this is meant to be a character, I guess, that we're like, this old man stuck in the past. No, he, so Hugo uses Hugo... it for other people as well. I see. Yeah. 
So, yes. Then you're not just using it to berate Gilamand. Mm. Well, this is why you're here whenever I'm like, are we meant to be giving you a point? <laughs> <laughs> to be like, don't worry, no. Mm. <laughs> all newspapers are a scourge, all of them. Even the ones that I read, I suppose. Um, and Theodore's like, it stands to reason. There should be no other newspaper than the Montite. I know the book besides the army list. Guillermoand is just like not paying any mind to Theodore in the room. It's just like more rant. I've never taken any more notice of these philosophers' philosophies than the antics of the man who pulls faces at the Trivoli Gardens. Ah, citizens, I tell you, your progress is madness, your humanity's a dream, your revolution's a crime, your republic's a monster, young men in virginal France hails from the brothel, and I tell you all, whoever you might be, whether journalists or economists or lawyers or greater experts in liberty, equality and fraternity than the blade of the guillotine. And I had to read that sentence several times at the end of it, because mm. he's like, I tell you, blah 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 i tell you all whoever you may be and then lists off a load of people equality and fraternity than the blade of the guillotine that i was like waiting for the point at the end of what he was going to tell them all mm. it didn't come mm. i'm also confused by this sentence mm. i tell you all eternity and fraternity or the guillotine Maybe he was just turning the sentence around instead of being like, all of you people, comma, your progress is a, is a madness, blah, 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 blah. But instead he started with, citizens, I tell you these things I don't like. And I'll tell you all of these people. Blades of the guillotine! Mm. <laughs> I get what the vibe he's going for. Yeah, it, it's like, I guess... You guillotined people for the ideas that you didn't like. So here are the ideas that I don't like. And will you guillotine people for that? Yeah, I guess so. I read it like three times before just now reading it another two times to be like, I, am I missing a vital something in the sentence mm. that makes the flow make sense? I wonder if I can find it in here and see if the translation in this is different. It's the last paragraph of the last chapter of book five. Citizens, I tell you that your progress is lunacy and your humanity is a dream, that your revolution is a crime, that your republic is a monster, that your young virginial France comes straight from the brothel, and I maintain it to you all, whoever you may be, whether you are publicists, whether you are economists, whether you are legal experts, whether you are more conscious of liberty, equality, and fraternity than of the blade of the guillotine. Uh, I, 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 okay, so I think it, I, so I think that that last sentence is, and I maintain it to you all, no matter who you are, basically. Okay. Full stop. That's what, what I basically thought it was, but the cadence of it, you're just sort of like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. It's such even, a stupid like, sentence. <laughs> yeah, like even your version, I was like, because it. I feel like my one is more like, bam, 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 I'm in a rant. Mm, mm. Uh, whereas your version takes the time to be like, whether you're a studier of law, yeah. or whether you are a this, your one made that more clear than my translation. But there was still the little something at the end of it where you're like, thesis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the conclusion at the end. <laughs> yeah, yes, please. Um, 
Maybe it makes more sense in French. Like, we know what he's saying, yeah, but um, yeah. I guess this is on both our translations. Yeah. Uh, see our translation episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that's what I'll have you know, my fine fellows. By God, said the lieutenant, well said. Monsieur Guillemont broke off in mid-gesture, turned, looked at Theodore straight in the eye and said, you're an idiot. <laughs> Uh, this boy so, can't catch a break, can he? He can't, but I, I, I do like to think that like Theodore doesn't really care what's going on with his family. Yeah, like he's come here because his aunt is like, please. That he's like, okay, yeah, fine, whatever. But I feel like he doesn't have a stake in them. So this happened, but he was told to just agree with everything. So I don't think it hurt him. I no, believe. yeah. But he no. was just like, you're the idiot old man. Yeah, he's just <laughs> literally there to get the like a uh, signature on the check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so Guillermond, I guess that you don't just want someone who agrees with everything you say. <laughs> even though that's what you thought you wanted. Yeah. Well, he just wants his his Marius. He doesn't yeah, care about anyone else. Yeah. That's the end of book five. Speeding through them. Well, that was only three chapters, which is the minimum I want to expect of myself. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was going to try and push <laughs> for another one, but then I was like, well, that was the end of a book, so it is need to just tie the bow there. <laughs> <laughs> and my buff is going to need half an hour. Yeah, my buff was a vital part of this. So. <laughs> it was. <laughs> the most vital part more vital than whatever Marius is up to, yeah. whatever his grandfather, who I'm sure isn't ever going to come up again. <laughs> well, to be fair, you know, Mabuff, like this Mabuff at least, the other Mabuff, uh, it was less excusable, but, but this, this Mabuff is more of a starring character. I would say he was a secondary character. Ooh. He has, like, he has more story to him than I think even Pomessi had to him. So. I'm not mad. Also, he's my favorite character. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm now liking to imagine that somehow him and Fauchelevent become bros. Oh yeah, that would be great. Well, Fauchelevent is dead. I guess they could have been friends. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Am I thinking of the wrong boy? Fauchelevent convent. Melon Man? He's dead? <laughs> oh no! I'm so sorry, I thought it had happened already. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think he's dead! I don't think right. he's dead yet! <laughs> okay, cool. Well, uh... <laughs> I'm really sorry. Um... I had to find out like this. <laughs> it's better I hear it from you than from Victor Hugo. It's gonna come up like really soon, and it's not gonna give you the closure that you want from it. Like these tears are only from laughing. <laughs> well, in the same way, what the like Victor Hugo's taking another man that I love. <laughs> And it's going to be in the same way, you know, that Bishop Muriel, it was kind of like, oh yeah, he died and Bajon found out in a newspaper. Um, you get even less for Fauchelevent, so um, prepare yourself. That... 
I thought we were going to get more of him. Oh, no. I thought he was there at the end of the story. Oh my god, Stevie. I'm so sorry. Oh. What's the point of continuing with this book? Oh, fun. Um... So this has been Bread and Barricades, Elena's podcast, and also the end of mine and Stevie's friendship, it seems. <laughs> um, so when you hear that there's a new host next time, like it's just because Stevie has walked. <laughs> they can't work in these conditions. Um, please, please, uh, uh, I need you to implore Stevie to say, and you can do that by sending a comment, question, or quibble to our email, lamispodcast, L-E-S-M-I-S podcast at gmail.com, or to our Twitter, or to our Tumblr, at Bread and Barricades. You could also give us some uh, money on Ko-fi or Patreon, which are both linked in the description, and I'm sure that would <laughs> incentivize Stevie to stay, <laughs> to read, well, it hasn't happened yet, so, you know, it doesn't... If you finished the book now, then Portia Le bon is still alive in your heart and in your dreams. <laughs> um, but if you give enough money, then Stevie will continue to read on and find out about his death. Our audio director is Jade, who you can find on her website, jadewasabi.com, or on her bandcamp, jadewasabi.bandcamp.com. And I think that's it. I feel intensely guilty it was the first time where i said anything and you've reacted so like <laughs> viscerally that like i'm kind of taken aback a bit because usually when i say things like oh you know in the future xyz happens you're a bit like okay well i won't remember that so this is the first time that i've actually been like oh <laughs> okay stevie remembers it <laughs> Um, everyone press F in the chat. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, uh, buff and Marshall Bond in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not strong enough. <laughs>